This is a Drama Merchant audio production. The Drama Merchant offers you the Radio Play Hour. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Radio Play Hour, a program that recreates old-time radio dramas along with new work. This is the Drama Merchant speaking, otherwise known as Nathan Schultz, and welcome to a Christmas special, the Radio Play Hour, A Christmas Carol. For those fortunate enough to see this production done live in the past at Priest House in Narang, Pomona Museum in Noosa, and Bankford House on the Sunshine Coast, we have Douglas Kennedy reprising the role of Scrooge, with new vocal talents consisting of Kent Lee, Megan Seymour-Smith, Daniel Thone, and my ever-supportive wife, Peter Schultz. I would like to take this time to thank you all, both listening and live audiences, along with businesses such as Backdock Arts and Fortitude Valley, the Anywhere Festival team, the Sunshine Coast Council and Bankford House, as well as the Morton Bay Council, Pine Rivers Heritage Museum, and Ghostlight Theatre Company who have supported my creative endeavours this year and last, whether it was traditional theatre, site-specific, live audio experiences, or my podcasts. When you see familiar faces returning in the audience during live performances, it gives the show a family feeling. So I would also like to thank Vivian, Esther, and Nara Harvey for your support during our live performances on the Sunshine Coast. Hopefully next year I'll be able to find a spot on the Sunshine Coast to perform another live radio play event, but I hope you enjoy this performance all the same. I would also like to give special thanks to Billy Letts for airing my work on the program Ozone, which now has the new name This and That, on the radio station 4ZZZ. So whether it's now, Christmas Eve or Christmas Day, I hope you and younger listeners enjoy this Christmas classic ghost story in its audio format, as our narrator and Tiny Tim for this production is the youthful voice of Charlotte Seymour Smith, who will now begin our story. Marley was dead, to begin with. There's no doubt whatever about that. The registrar of his burial was signed by the clergyman, the clerk, the undertaker, and the chief mourner. Scrooge signed it, and Scrooge's name was good upon, change for anything he chose to put his hand to. Old Marley was as dead as a doornail. Scrooge knew he was dead. Of course he did. Scrooge and Marley were partners for I don't know how many years. Ah, but he was a tight-fisted, hand-at-the-grindstone, was Scrooge. A squeezing, wrenching, grasping, scraping, clutching, covetous old sinner. And once upon a time, of all the good old days in the year, on Christmas Eve, old Scrooge sat busy in his counting house. A grim, cheerless place if ever there was one. The door of Scrooge's counting house was open, that he might keep his eye upon his clerk, Bob Cratchit, who, in a cold and dismal little cell beyond, worked at his ledgers. Merry gentlemen, let nothing you dismay. Twenty-three, twenty-six, twenty-nine, nine carry two, seventeen, thirteen, seventeen, seven... Bob Cratchit! Uh, yes, Mr. Scrooge? Stop that infernal catawallowing! Yes, sir. Now... You get that letter from Higgins and Blackthorn Crutchet, and then I want you to finish posting this ledger. 
And after that, you can pop over to Petherinil's and tell that Ethereum Petherill you've come after the 17 shillings and sixpence he's owed me since Michaelmas. And tell him I'll get the constable over there if he doesn't pay up at once. Mr. Puffergill's wife has been ill, sir. Oh, what do I care about his wife? I want my 17 and 6. I I just thought uh, it being Christmas, sir. Christmas? Christmas? You mention that word to me once more, Bob Cratchit. And I'll, uh... A Merry Christmas, Uncle. Merry Christmas, Bob. Merry Christmas, Mr. Fred. God save you, Uncle. Ah, humbug! Christmas a humbug, Uncle. Now, I'm sure you don't mean that. I mean just that. Exactly that. Merry Christmas. What right have you to a Merry Christmas? What reason have you? You're poor enough! Well, what right have you to be dismal about Christmas, Uncle? You're rich enough. Uh... Now, Uncle, don't be cross. What? Well, what else can I be when I live in such a world of fools? What? Christmas to you, but a time for paying bills without money. Merry Christmas! A time for finding yourself a year older and not an hour richer. If I could work my will, every idiot who goes about with Merry Christmas on the lips will be boiled with their own pudding and buried with a stake through his heart. <laughs> he should. Uncle! Now, nephew, keep Christmas in your own way and let me keep mine. Keep it? But you don't keep it, Uncle. Well, leave it then alone. What do you want? A Christmas gift, no doubt? I came to wish you a Merry Christmas, Uncle. A Merry Christmas. Much good Merry Christmases do you. <laughs> Much good it ever has done ya! There are many things from which I derive good by which I have not profited materially, I dare say, Uncle. But I've always thought of Christmas time as a good time. A kind, forgiving, charitable, pleasant time. And therefore, Uncle, though it has never put a scrap of gold or silver in my pocket, I believe it has done me good, and will do me good, and I say, God bless it. God bless Christmas. Hurrah! Let me hear another sound out of you there, Bob Cratchit, and you'll keep your Christmases by losing your situation. As to you, nephew, I wonder you don't go into Parliament, you talk enough nonsense! Oh, don't be angry, Uncle. I want nothing from you. I ask nothing of you. Why can't we be friends? Good afternoon. I'm sorry you feel that way. Well, I tried. A Merry Christmas to you, Uncle. Good afternoon. And a Happy New Year, too. <sighs> and a Merry Christmas to you, Bob. And the missus. And Tiny Tim. Oh, thank you, Mr. Fred. Same to you, sir. Good day, sir. Good day, Bob. Nonsense. Twaddle. Flummery. Talking of Christmas and not two sixpences to jingle together in his trousers pocket. Hey, hey, you there, Bob Cratchit. Come here. What are you doing there? I'm only putting a bit more coal in the fire, Mr. Scrooge. Seeing it's so cold in there, sir. Can put that coal back in the scuttle. A fire, a fire indeed, I can tell you. If you use coal at that rate, you and I will soon be parting company, Bob Cratchit. You understand that? There's many a young fellow like your situation, you know. I'm sorry, sir. My fingers were getting a little stiff with the cold. Ah, then put on your mittens. There's someone at the door. Go on, see who it is. Yes, sir. Good afternoon, sir. Good afternoon. Is this the firm of Scrooge and Marley? Yes, ma'am. We, we should, should like, like to see the head of the firm, if we may. Oh, very good, ladies. What is it? Some ladies to see you, Mr. Scrooge. <laughs> Have we the pleasure of addressing Mr. Scrooge or Mr. Marley? Marley's been dead these seven years tonight. 
I'm Scrooge. Well now, Mr Scrooge, at this season of the year, it's only fitting that we who are more fortunate should raise a fund to buy the poor some meat and drink and a means of warmth. You may not believe it, sir, but many thousands are now in want of common necessities. And hundreds of thousands are in want of the simplest comforts. Are there no prisons? Well, there are plenty of prisons, sir. And the workhouses, they're still in operation, I trust. I wish I could say that they are not, but they are, sir. The treadmill and the poor law are in full vigour then? Both are very busy, sir. And I'm glad to hear that. I was afraid from what you said that something had occurred to stop them in their in their useful course. No, sir. All these institutions you mention are flourishing. But it's nonetheless true that some additional provisions for the poor and the destitute must be made. <sighs> a few of us upon change are endeavouring to raise such a fund, you see. And uh, what shall I put you down for? Nothing! Oh, I see. You wish to remain anonymous, sir. I wish to be left alone. I don't make merry myself at Christmas and I can't afford to help make a lot of idle people merry. I help to support the establishment and take care of the poor. They cost enough. Let those who are badly off go there. Many can't go there, sir. And many would rather die. My advice to them is to do so and decrease the surplus population. Besides, I've only your words for it. That is all there is to it, so... It's the truth, Mr Mr. Scrooge! Well, so be it then. It's not my business. It's enough for a man to understand his own business and not to interfere with other people's. Mine occupies me constantly. Good afternoon, ladies. Good afternoon, Mr Scrooge. Cratchit, show these ladies out. Yes, sir. This way, ladies, please. I couldn't help overhearing her. I should like to contribute tuppence. It isn't much, but it's all I can afford, and there are others in worse situation than I. Cratchit! You're a generous fellow. I wish I might say so of your... Employer. Cratchit! Yes, sir. Good afternoon, sir, and Merry Christmas. Good afternoon, and Merry Christmas. Cratchit! Yes, sir. It's too late to have you go over to Pathagrills. He'll be closed up for Christmas like those other fools. You may as well close up the place now. Yes, sir. It is getting a little darker. Hard to see the figures. I, I suppose you want the entire day tomorrow? If it's quite convenient, sir. It is not convenient, and it's not fair either. But I suppose I can't do anything about it, eh? If I was to stop half a crown of your wages, you'd think yourself very ill-used, I'll be bound. Well, sir, I... But you don't think me ill-used when I pay a day's wages for no work. It's only once a year, sir. Once a year. Once a year, indeed, a fine excuse for picking a man's pocket every 25th of December. But I suppose there's no good talking. You must have the whole day. We'll see that you hear that earlier the next morning. You understand? Oh, I will, sir. I will indeed. Good night, sir. And Merry Christmas. Bah! Merry Christmas. The office was closed in a twinkling, and Bob Cratchit, with the long ends of his white comforter dangling below his waist, for he boasted no great coat, went down a slide on Cornhill in honour of its being Christmas Eve, and then he ran home to Camden Town as hard as he could pelt to play with his family at Blind Man's Buff. 
Scrooge, on the other hand, took his melancholy dinner in his usual melancholy tavern, having read all the newspapers and spent the rest of his evening with his banker's book, went to his dismal house. Darkness is cheap, and Scrooge liked it. The yard was so dark that even Scrooge, who knew its every stone, had to grope with his hands through the fog and frost to find the door. Scrooge walked through his many rooms to see that all was right. Sitting room, bedroom, lumber room, all as they should be. Nobody under the table, nobody under the sofa, nobody under the bed, and nobody in the closet. He closed the door and locked himself in. He double locked himself in and took off his cravat and put on his dressing gown, slippers and his nightcap before he sat down in front of the fire to eat his gruel. (sighs) Marley! Marley? Marley! I could have sworn I saw old... Oh, humbug. Marley's been dead these seven years. Oh, humbug! What I need is a good night's sleep. (laughs) Oh, what? What's that? Uh, Someone's in the wine cellar. But the drawer's locked and double locked. Something is coming in. Something is coming closer. Outside my door. Bah. I don't believe it. It's humbug still. What do you want with me? I want lunch, you Ebenezer. Who... who are you? Ask me who I was. You're very particular for a ghost. All right then, who were ye? In life I was your partner, Jacob Marley. Jacob Marley? But you're dead. You died seven years ago. Seven years ago this very night. What's wrong? Don't you believe me? I do not. You doubt your senses, Ebenezer? Yes, yes, because a little thing affects them. A slight disorder of the stomach makes them cheats. You can't be a ghost. You may be an undigested bit of beef, or a blot of mustard, or a cram of cheese, a fragment of an underdone potato. (laughs) There may be more gravy than grave about you, whatever you are. Oh, humbug, I tell you, humbug. Oh, oh, I do, I do believe in you. You are a ghost, Marley, uh, Jacob. But why, why do you walk the earth, Jacob? Why do you come to me? It is required of every man that the spirit within him should walk abroad among his fellow men and travel far and wide to witness what he cannot share but might have shared on earth and turn to happiness. But tell me, Jacob, what is that chain you wear around you? I wear the chain I forged in life. I made it link by link and yard by yard by my own free will. Is its pattern strange to you, Ebenezer? Cash boxes? Keys and padlocks? Ledgers and purses? Yours was as heavy and as long as this seven years ago. You have laboured on it since. Oh, Jacob, speak comfort to me, Jacob. Comfort I have none to give. I cannot rest, I cannot stay, I cannot linger. 
weary journeys lie before me. You travel fast? Yes, Ebenezer, on the wings of the wind. Seven years dead and travelling all the time. Seven years, Ebenezer. Seven years of remorse. Ebenezer, do you know that no space can regret that can make amends for one's life's opportunities misused? But you were always a good man of business. Business! Mankind was my business. Charity, mercy, benevolence. They were all my business. The dealings of my trade were but a drop of water in the comprehensive ocean of my business. Listen to me, Ebenezer. I listen to you, Jacob. Go on. Ebenezer, I am here to warn you that you have yet a chance of hope of escaping my fate. You hear that, Ebenezer? Yes, Jacob. Yes, you were always a good friend to me, Jacob. Thank you, Jacob. But, but, but go on, go on, go on, go on. I'm afraid, Jacob. You will be haunted by three spirits. Is that the only chance and hope, Jacob? It is your only chance and hope. Well then, I think I'd rather not. Without their visits, you cannot hope to shun the path I tread. Expect the first tomorrow, when the bell tolls one. Couldn't I take them all at once and have it over, Jacob? Ebenezer, look that for your own sake. You remember those past between us. Remember when the bell tolls one. Look for the first spirit. Marley! Scrooge awoke. He was lying on his bed, fully dressed. Suddenly, the curtains of his bed were drawn aside and Scrooge found himself face to face with the unearthly visitor who drew them. As close to it as I am to you now, and I am standing in the spirit at your elbow. It was a strange figure, like a child, yet not so like a child as like an old man. Its hair, which hung about its neck and down its back, was white, as if with age, yet the face had not a wrinkle in it, and the tenderest bloom was on its skin, the arms were long and muscular, the hands the same, as if its hold were of uncommon strength. Who? Who? Who's that? You? Are you the spirit, sir, whose coming was forewarn me? I am that spirit. What are you? I am a ghost of Christmas past. Long past? No, your past. But, but, what do you want of me? What brings you here to haunt me? No, 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 not, not out of the window. Why, I can't do that. I'll fall down. I'm not a spirit. I'm mortal and I'll fall. I have a touch of my hand upon your heart and you should be upheld in more than this. Come, follow me. Where are we? What's become of the city? And there, there's snow upon the ground. Where, where are we? These are the shadows of the things that have been. Every inch of it, every rock, every tree. And that bleak building over there. Ah, oh, that building. Uh, I was a boy there. 
Yes, I went to school in that horrible place. Let us go closer. Look through the window into that cold and barren room. What do you see there, Ebenezer Scrooge? I see a boy. A solitary child, neglected by his family and all alone. Yes, yes, I see. I know that boy. Ah, oh, I was so lonely. Your lip is trembling, Scrooge. And what is that on your cheek? It's, it's nothing, nothing, nothing. Come, Ebenezer Scrooge. Let us see another Christmas. Do you know this place, Ebenezer Scrooge? Know it? I know it. This is the counting house where I was apprenticed. It's my old master. Bless his heart. Old Fizzywig, my master, alive again and hosting one of his Christmas parties. <laughs> oh, and look, there's, there's, there's Dick Wilkins. There's Mrs. Fuzzywig herself looking younger than any of them. That carefree young man with a light heart and a gay smile, do you recognise him? Yes, 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 merciful heavens. How happy I was then. A small matter for old Fizzywig to make those silly books so full of joy. Small matter? Small indeed. Isn't it? He has only spent a few pounds of your mortal money. Is that so much that he deserves praises? It's not that. It's not that spirit. Old Fezziwig has the power to make us happy or unhappy, to make our service light or heavy. His power lies in words and looks and in things so tiny that it's impossible to count. The happiness he gives us is quite as great as it cost us. Uh, What's the matter? Nothing. Nothing at all, spirit. Something, I think. No, no. Speak. Well, only, it's just that I should like to be able to say a word or two to my clerk, Bob Cratchit. That's all. My time grows short, and we have yet another journey to make. Where now? Come. This is our last visit to the past, Ebenezer. Here in this little room, with a fair young girl by your side. Do you recognise yourself, Ebenezer? No, no, no. I can't bear any more. Leave me alone. Haunt me no more. 
Take me back! Take me back! We now pause for some brief advertising. The Gold Coast Theatre Alliance promotes, engages and supports the diverse regional live performing arts community on the Gold Coast Queensland and the Northern Rivers region on the New South Wales North Coast, Australia. So whether you're a local, interstate or international visitor and wanting to find out about the latest happenings and productions on the Gold Coast and Northern New South Wales creative arts scene, then visit www.goldcoasttheatre.com.au or click the link in the body of this podcast. We now begin Act 2 of the Drama Merchant's audio production, The Radio Play Hour, A Christmas Carol, starring Douglas Kennedy as Scrooge. Scrooge awakened, suddenly, and sat bolt upright in his own bed. He remembered the words of Marley's ghost and wondered from which direction the second spectre would appear. At that moment, nothing between a baby and a rhinoceros would have astonished him very much. Now, being prepared for almost anything, he was not by any means prepared for nothing, and consequently, when no shape appeared, he was taken with a violent fit of trembling. Seven minutes, ten minutes, a quarter of an hour went by, yet nothing came. As he sat in his bed, he became aware gradually of a great blaze of ruddy light, which seemed to shine upon him from the adjoining room. He got up softly and shuffled in his slippers to the door. It was his own sitting room, no doubt about that, but it had undergone a surprising transformation. The walls and ceiling were so hung with living green that it looked a perfect grove, from every part of which bright gleaming berries glistened and such a mighty blaze went roaring up the chimney as had never been known in Scrooge's time, or for many and many a winter season gone. Heaped up on the floor, to form a kind of throne, were turkeys, geese, game, poultry, great joints of meat, sucking pigs, long wreaths of sausages, mince pies, plum puddings, barrels of oysters, red-hot chestnuts and seething bowls of punch that made the chamber dim with their delicious steam. In easy state upon this couch, there sat a jolly giant, glorious to see, who bore a glowing torch in shape not unlike Plenty's horn and held it up high, high up to shed its light on Scrooge as he came peeping around the door. Come in, come in, Ebenezer Scrooge, and know me better, man. I am the ghost of Christmas present. Look upon me. You've never seen the like of me before. You're... you're different from the other spirit. You're tall, almost a giant, and that great torch you carry. Its light pours into the homes of the rich and poor alike. Spirit, take me where you will. Last time I went against my will and learned a lesson which is working now. If you have anything to teach me... Let me profit by it. Touch my robe, Ebenezer Scrooge. Touch my robe. Where have you brought me, spirit? An humbling dwelling in a humble street. It's humble enough. Yet there is happiness here. Who who are these people? Who is that woman and the children? These are the family of your clerk, Bob Cratchit. His wife, dressed in twice-turned gown, but brave in ribbons, laying the table for their Christmas dinner. And there, assisting her, is her daughter Belinda, 
the young man with a fork in the stuffing. That's Master Peter Cratchit and the two little Cratchits. Listen, Scrooge. It is why, bless your heart alive, Martha, my dear. Merry Christmas to ya. Oh, Merry Christmas, Ma. Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas. How late you are, my dear. Oh, I've had a great deal of work to finish up last night. We had to clear it away this morning. Well, never mind as long as you're here now. Sit you down before the fire and have a warm-up. Lord bless ya. Oh, where's Pa? He's been to church with Tiny Tim. They'll be along shortly. How is Tim, Mum? Is he better at all? <sighs> sometimes I think he is. And sometimes I think, oh, oh dear God, if anything should happen to Tiny Tim. Oh, Ma, you mustn't think things like that. <laughs> There's Tiny Tim. Merry Christmas, everybody. Martha, welcome, my dear. Oh, Merry Christmas, Pa and Tim. Merry Christmas, Martha. Oh, Tim, you doll. Oh, Pa, I'm so glad to be home. And we're so glad to have you, Martha. And how did little Tim behave in church, Bob? Oh, as good as gold. And better. I like church, Mother. Oh, they sang the nicest songs. I hope people saw me there. Saw you there? And why, Tim? Well, don't you see? Because I'm lame. And if they saw my crutch, it might be pleasant for them to remember on Christmas who it was that made lame beggars walk and blind men see. Oh, bless you, my son. Yes, yes, we're all ready. Come, take your places now. Bob, waits your turn. There's plenty. Stuffing and dressing and plum pudding for all of you. Martha, you take care of Tiny Tim. You see he eats plenty. He must get tall and well and strong. Now sit down. Sit down, everyone. And now, my dears, shall we say grace? Spirit! Tell me if Tiny Tim will live. I see a vacant seat in the poor chimney corner and a crutch without an owner carefully preserved. Oh, no, 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 kind spirit. Say he'll live. If these shadows remain unaltered by the future, Ebenezer, the child will die. Amen. Amen. And now, my dears, with such a dinner, a toast, a Merry Christmas to us all, and God bless us. Amen. God bless us, everyone. And now, I give you a toast to Mr. Scrooge, the founder of the feast. The founder of the feast, indeed. <sighs> Who pays you all a 15 shillings a week? I wish I had him here. I'd give him a piece of my mind to feast on, and I hope he'd have good appetite for it. Oh, my dear, the children. Christmas Day. Well, it should be Christmas Day, I'm sure. Of which one drinks the health of such an odious, stingy, unfeeling man as Mr. Scrooge? You know he is, Bob. Nobody knows it better than you, poor fellow. My dear, Christmas Day. I'll drink his health for your sake in the days, not for his. Long life to him. A Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. He'll be very happy, I have no doubt. And I say God bless him too, Mother. And everyone. There was nothing of high mark in all of this. They were not a handsome family, these Cratchits. They were not well dressed, their shoes were far from being waterproof, their clothes were scanty, and they had known, very likely, the inside of a pawnbroker's. But they were happy, grateful, pleased with one another, and contented with the time. When, at last, they faded, Scrooge had his eye upon them, and especially on Tiny Tim, until the last.
Many calls Scrooge made that night with the ghost of Christmas present. Down among the miners they went, who labour in the bowels of the earth, and out to the sea among the sailors at their watch, dark ghostly figures in their several stations. Much as they saw, and far as they went, and many places they visited, but always with a happy end, the spirits stood beside sick beds, and they were cheerful by poverty, and it was rich, in almhouses, hospital, and jail, where vain men, in his little brief authority, had not made fast the door, and barred the spirit out, the spirit left his blessing. It was a long night, if it was only a night, and it was strange too, that while Scrooge remained unaltered in his outward form, the ghost grew older, clearly older. My life upon this globe is very brief, Ebenezer. It ends tonight. Tonight? Hark, the owl has come. Oh, no, no, no. Not yet. Not yet. There, there are still more things I wish to learn. These you will learn still from another spirit. Still another spirit, Ebenezer. Scrooge looked about him for the ghost. It had vanished and he found himself once more in his bed, in his dressing gown and in his nightcap on his head. He heard the clock strike, and then he remembered the prediction of old Jacob Marley, and lifting up his eyes, beheld the third spirit. A solemn phantom, shrouded in black, draped and hooded, coming towards him, slowly and silently, like a mist along the ground. I know you. you. You are the ghost of Christmas yet to come. I fear you more than any other spectre I've seen. Yes, I know your purpose is to do me good, and I hope to live to be another man from what I was. Lead on, lead on. The night's waning fast, and time's precious. Spirit, why, why have you brought me here again? Here to Bob Cratchit's house. But it's not the same. What? Why is it so quiet? Why so very quiet? <laughs> oh, ma, ma, please. Oh, my son. My little son. Tiny Tim. I loved him so. Good evening, my dear. I went to the churchyard today. I, I wish you could have gone with me. It would have done your heart good to see how sweet and... Greener place it is, but you'll see it often. I, I promised him. Uh, yes, I promised Tiny Tim we'd walk there on a Sunday. God's will, Bob. I'm trying to understand it, my dear. My son, my little son, Tiny Tim. I loved him so. Oh, that's cruel, cruel spirit. Can't you give me one last ray of hope that may change all that? that Tiny Tim may live? Where are you taking me now? On a common street, spirit? What's there there for me to learn? Who, who are those men? I don't know much about it. Either way, I know he's dead. When did he die? Last night, I believe. Likely to be a very cheap funeral. For upon my life, I don't know anybody to go to it. <laughs> Suppose we make up a party and volunteer. I don't mind going if there's lunch provided. <laughs> Spirit, help me. Who is this man that died? Where are we now? Merciful heavens. A 
churchyard, uh, overrun by grass and weeds, crumbling gravestones. Spirit, answer me one question. Are these shadows of things that will be, or are they shadows of things that may be? Uh, will, will you not speak to me, Spirit? What is that grave to which you pour? There's writing on the stone. The name on the grave is... Ebenezer Scrooge! Oh, no, no, spirit, no, 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 hear me. I'm not that man. Tell me that I can change these dreadful shadows. Tell me, spirit, oh, no, no, tell me. Tell me that I can sponge away writing on that stone, spirit. I beg you, spirit, I beg you! in my own bed, in my own room. <laughs> and the sun, the sun's shining, it's clear, it's bright, no fog. What a beautiful day. Oh, glorious, glorious. Hey, boy. Oh, boy. Yes, sir. What day is it, my fine fellow? Today? Boy, it's Christmas Day. Listen, my lad, do you know where the polter is in the next street? I should say I do. <laughs> An intelligent boy. A remarkable boy. Tell me, do you know if they sold the prize turkey that was hanging in the window? The worst bees be. It's hanging there now, sir. That's wonderful. Go down, will you, and tell them to send it to Bob Cratchit and his family on Broad Street. And mind you, they're not to know who paid for it. Wait a minute. Half a crown for your trouble. Oh, yes. And a Merry Christmas to you, my boy. A Merry Christmas to everyone. A Happy New Year to all the world. <laughs> Next morning, Scrooge was early at his office. He went early for a reason. If he could only be there first and catch Bob Cratchit coming late, that was the thing he'd set his heart upon. And he did it. Yes, he did. The clock struck nine. No Bob. A quarter past. No Bob. Scrooge sat with his door wide open, that he might see him come in. At last he came. His hat was off before he opened the door. His comforter too. He was on his stool in a jiffy, as if he were trying to overtake Fifteen and twenty-one, six and carry the one. Twenty-four and carry the two. Uh, Thirty-one and eight and nine. Hello, you Cratchit. Yes, sir. Step this way, Cratchit, if you please. Cratchit, what do you mean by coming in at this time of day? Why, I, I'm very sorry, sir. I am behind my time. You are. Yes, yes, I think you are. Oh, it's only once a year, Mr. Scrooge. It shall not be repeated. I was making rather merry yesterday, sir. I tell you what, my friend. I'll not stand this sort of thing any longer. And therefore, Bob Cratchit, I'm about to raise your salary. Mr. Scrooge, are you quite yourself, sir? No, no. Merry Christmas, my good fellow. I shall raise your salary and we'll see what we can do for Tiny Tim and the rest of your family. <laughs> Scrooge was better than his word. He did it all, and infinitely more, to Tiny Tim, who did not die. He was a second father. He became as good a friend, as good a master, and as good a man as the good old city knew, or any other good old city, town, or borough in the good old world. Some people laughed to see the alteration in him, but he let them laugh with little heed of them, 
his own heart laughed. That was quite enough for him. He had no further intercourse with the spirits, but lived upon the total abstinence principle ever afterwards. And it was always said of him that he knew how to keep Christmas well if any man alive possessed the knowledge. May that be truly said of us, all of us. And so, as Tiny Tim observed, God bless us everyone. You have just heard a presentation of Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a review on the Drama Merchant Facebook page. Our vocal cast, in order of appearance, was Charlotte Seymour Smith as the narrator and Tiny Tim, Douglas Kennedy as Scrooge, Kent Lee as Bob Cratchit, Daniel Thone as Fred, the Ghost of Christmas Present and Man One, Megan Seymour Smith as Gentlewoman 2 and Martha Cratchit, Peter Schultz as the Gentlewoman 2 and the Ghost of Christmas Past, and the drama merchant himself, Nathan Schultz, as Jacob Marley. Sound effects and production was produced and directed by Nathan Schultz with music by Kevin McLeod. Subscribe to the Drama Merchant to receive email updates of new audio shows, or keep an eye out on the Drama Merchant Facebook page for future audio shows, and updates on the Audio Theatre page on www.thedramamerchant.com.au. If you have a work you would like to workshop and create, why not send an email via www.thedramamerchant.com.au or send us a message on our Facebook page, The Drama Merchant. If you're a local theatre company in the Brisbane, Moreton Bay, Sunshine Coast and Gold Coast regions and would like to collaborate on a radio play with me, contact The Drama Merchant via my website www.thedramamerchant.com.au or Facebook The Drama Merchant. This is a Drama Merchant audio production.